Yo, welcome back to That Guy Show podcast, brought to you by Wise Fools Media. I'm William. And I'm Matt. That Guy Show is a podcast for men, about men, by men, with men, as men. Amen. See what I did there? Heavy week last week. It was heavy. Heavy podcast. It was a heavy podcast. Luckily, we recorded two weeks ago, so I was able to recoup recoup from it. Um, we've had some good feedback. Yeah, a lot of feedback. People I didn't even know listened to the show, messaged us about yeah. it. A lot of people uh, have had the similar experience like we thought with miscarriage and just, like you said, don't talk about it, don't know how to talk about it, who to talk about it with. I know. Um, so yeah, it was, it was, uh, a lot of cool feedback and just cool like, conversations. I feel like if we want to get the listeners, we just need to talk about stuff like that all the time. Talk about miscarriage all the time? No, no. Well, yeah, but no. Well, I think that we, we generally like to keep it light. Good news, fun things, and things that are One meaningful. little serious or meaningful. Yeah, meaningful things. Meaningful topic. But we try not to talk about things that are like over talked about, yeah. you know, like sports, which we may talk about today because we're all still <sighs> we're all still burning hot from that NFC championship debacle. Yes. Joke. It was, it was very hard the to sham, be Jesus. The sham of the championship. Very hard to be Jesus in that one. Uh yeah. So I'm uh, about to overturn some tables up in the Superdome. But anyway, yes. so um so yeah, but anyway, but yeah, we try to talk about the 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 good, the fun, and the things that are uplifting and challenging. So yeah. I think it fit for sure. Um so yeah, dude. Well, let's let's talk about discernment today, right? Um, what is discernment? Because that's like a word that a lot of people don't know what that means. Okay, so discernment is um, for for us especially is to bring it to prayer, but in general is to make the correct decision. In my opinion, right? Well, is, I, and is I th- to make the best decision that you possibly could for the situation that you're in. And I think that it's about making decisions, and that's something that everyone has to do. And I was joking about decision making, you know, like people make a few real big decisions in life. One of which is like your house that you buy. And we were going to some somebody's house and I said, and I realized I was like, I turned into my parents at that moment and we were driving through a neighborhood and I said, honey, remember we looked at a house in this neighborhood? Like, did your parents ever say stuff like that? No. Oh, okay. So my parents, like, we'd, they'd always be like, oh, we looked at a house in this neighborhood. Remember that house we looked at in this neighborhood? And it was like, my parents have lived in one house for like, you know, 30 years or yeah. something. Okay. So, but that one decision was a really big decision. And so they still remember looking at houses in other places or the house we lived in before they lived in that one. And so I was doing that same thing. I was like, oh, we looked at a house in this neighborhood. We almost bought that house. You know, we're like, anyway. That's funny. But uh, but I think big decisions, making decisions, all part of life. Um, and I think discernment is just usually more of that religious term of like, I'm making a decision in God's will. Yeah, You know, because it doesn't mean it's the only decision, which is something I guess we'll talk about later. But making a decision in God's will with his help to the best of our ability, you know, like a discernment rather than just, uh, using the, making a decision, like just, I'm choosing something, hoping it's a good thing, but like including God somehow the best to your ability in that decision, I think kind of makes it more of a discernment. Perfect. Boom. You'll accept that. Yeah. Yeah. Let's throw that up on Wikipedia. Let's play a game. 
We're going to play a game. This game is all about making decisions, choices, because okay. every life you have to make choices every day, Will, that will affect the rest of your life. And I want to know if you're ready to choose, if you've got the disposition to make the correct decisions when the time comes. Whoa, that was that was legit. OK, go. I'm about to take out my teacher hat. All right. I, all right. I don't <clears throat> click on this, right? No, no, you okay, don't okay. click on so that. I just let you so I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions. OK, I'm ready. You just have to choose. OK. OK. Number one, Beach House Burger or Dong Fong King Cake? Beach House, like the one by us? Uh, no, Beach House. No, the Beach House Burgers in Lakeview. Beach House. The Beach House Bar, the burgers. Oh. They're like the best burgers in New Orleans. Where, where have you been? What's, there's a, I think there's a Beach House right by us. I don't know if it's the same people. I don't think so. It might not be called the Beach House in here either. Because <laughs> I, I don't want one of those burgers. There's okay. a lot of... There, just think of like the best burger you've ever had. So the best burger you've ever had or Dong Fong's King Cake. I haven't had either. You've never had a Dong Fong King Cake? As far as I know. Where are you from? Michigan. Oh, good point. Good point. <laughs> well, as people may know, it's carnival season in New Orleans. I know. Which is the time uh, oh, leading up, is the time leading season. up to Lent. And uh, Will's taking his shirt off. So that's new. And all uh, hail the king, baby. And it's literally a picture of Will. So that's weird. Okay. Did you get someone to draw your face? On no, Rouse's. Oh, that was just a Rouse's shirt. It just happened to look like you. Yeah, I bought two of them because the first one is a little too snug. Actually, this is the first one. So the second one is a lot better. Oh, nice. Okay, so you were like that guy that buys yeah. the medium, knowing that you're a large, but just sort of hoping it works out? Bought the large, but I'm an XL. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, same thing. Same well, if thing. you didn't feel worse about yourself, I'm glad it helped. Just yeah, make yeah. the choice. Okay, Best burger, I, Dong I'm Fong, King go, Cake. So is, uh, what is it, Dong Fong? I can see already the difficulty you have in life with making decisions. What is it? Dong Fong? <laughs> so it's basically the best burger you've you ever had it? or the best king cake. How, what's the king it's place? Dong Fong. Dong Fong. I mean, that's not, is that a Vietnamese place? Yeah. They, they oh, kill the king that. cakes. The Vietnamese here in New Orleans like kill everything. So oh, yeah. They, that's not really bad. But I mean, like they, they do really well at everything. Yeah, they, yeah, they rock I want it. that. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to go Dong to King, King Cake. Yeah, Good King decision. Cake. Here you go. Vegetarian crawfish broil with Brussels sprouts or gluten-free non-dairy cheese pizza? I'm going to go with the crawfish boil. Okay. Even with the Brussels sprouts. I like Brussels sprouts. Have you ever had them in a crawfish boil? Yeah, very good. They're not good. They're terrible. They should never be allowed. Take a job as Donald Trump's social media manager or take a job as PR consultant to Roger Goodell. Um... I think that I would do Roger Goodell. Yeah, you would just because you secretly want to. Because only him only certain people would hate me. I think if I did work for Trump, I think everyone would hate you. Yeah. So I you choose. So you make. Have a so you basically me. make your discernment based upon other people's opinion of you, not to what God wants you to do or what you could best job you could do in this game. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Sorry, I just got real serious on you. Okay, tell your wife. That you lost your wedding ring on a business trip or just buy a new one and hope she doesn't notice. Oh, that's easy. And you can't use your tattoo, uh, your tattoo wedding it's ring. It's tatted on, baby. It's tatted on. Oh, so you, you don't have to keep... Do I lose the tattoo as well? <laughs> what if you it's woke like up... Hangover. You just woke up one morning and it was gone. Do you just get the... Do you just get another tattoo on your ring? Yeah. On your finger, or do you tell your wife, "Look, wife, I don't know how this happened, but my tattoo disappeared." I get another. One. So actually, I bought this. This ring is actually um, from Kohl's, like real, real fancy Kohl's. You know, Kohl is that like a place where you buy clothing? Yeah, What's it's Kohl's? like a department store, not really okay. like a jewelry store. Um, so it's pretty cool. It's got an inlay in it. Um, I, last time I looked, they still sell it. 
It's only like 50 bucks. Should have bought two of them. Uh, well, I've been meaning to buy another one just in case I lose it, but I've been pretty good. So you, you know? just, you're the guy that just actually has a second wedding ring lying around. Just in case you do lose it, you just swap it out. I would. This is not my first wedding ring. Because you've lost one already? No, the other one was stabbing me because it had this like... Uh, you got you know, studs. Strand, you got stud. You got a studded ring. No, it had like a stranded metal band that was like inlaid in it. It was oh. a copper ring. It was pretty cool. Other than this weird diamond, which was very like eighties, like yeah, yeah. Ma- mafia stuff. Yeah, yeah. But that's bling. Yeah, I actually had a really cool ring once. It was like a crown of thorns, but it was like literally etched in the metal. And like you said, it was like ripping the flesh on my wow. skin, which was very much like a crown of thorns. And so I got it changed. Yeah, I feel like you'd be in the movie. Uh Tom Hanks. All right. Buy <laughs> buy a single person helicopter or buy your own island. Oh, island. You'd buy your own island. Hey, hands down. You have no way to get there. You'd have to take a you'll take a P-Rog because you didn't get the helicopter. Yeah, my own island. Have you ever seen those single person helicopters? They're like really awesome. Yeah, but I'm afraid of heights. Oh, okay. Well, I could see that. Have we talked about that yet but on the show? No, we haven't. I'm so afraid of heights. We should we have a whole uh phobia yeah. episode. Because um, I could talk about my phobia of squirrels. And I've been birds. in a heli- Have you ever been in a helicopter? No, I haven't. I've been in a helicopter many times. Many so times. Scary, gosh, for work. Well, the single person helicopters that a lot of these rich people have. I mean, it's literally like you hit button, like it takes off, and yeah. it's like a video game controller. Like these it's are like, not. These are like twelve men helicopters. So scary. Yeah, yeah. Like those are like legit. But these are like it's kind of like almost cruise controlly. Yeah, which I don't know if that's good or bad. Did you see that video it, of the you, guy that was you, like you uh, crash? It's bad. That guy that was uh like. I don't know what it's called, paragliding or whatever. Uh, hang gliding? Is yeah. Is that what it is? I've seen a couple of hang gliding. But this guy, like, the instructor forgot to strap him in. And he was, like, hanging, but they couldn't get down fast enough. And he was literally just hanging for dear life. Yeah. Oh, there, gosh. There's, I saw a person. Yeah. He take, ripped all these muscles in his arms. I stuff. saw a person in New Mexico. Um, you could take this tramway up to the top of a mountain. And I out in Albuquerque, and I saw this guy take off like parasailing. What's that? What's called parasailing? Parasailing, I think that's oh, with the boat. Oh my bad. What, that's with you, the boat. What is, what is it? Hang gliding. Hang gliding. Yeah. He was hang gliding. And the thing is, it's like you look at a person hang gliding, you're like, that does look cool. But when you see someone trying to take off from hang gliding, you're like, this is the stupidest thing I've ever seen because you're about to die. Yeah. Because I mean, they're standing on the side of the mountain and like they're waiting for like a wind to come and then a wind comes and they and they go to take off. And then all of a sudden the dude's about to fall to his death and the people grab the ring, the wings and pull them back to the edge of the cliff like, oh, that wasn't a good wind, you know, and you're (sighs) like, so finally when he goes in my mind, I just assumed when you jump off a cliff, you do this, you just go like, and you go take off. But no, it's more like this. It goes poof. And he just like, he goes up in the air and he's not going anywhere, you know? And then he starts like, so like, like, I just, I don't know why I just thought the guy was like, go flying away, but instead he just kind of gets up on the wind and then he starts, and he just starts kind of like going away. But it was like, when he first went up in the air, he was just like 30 feet in the air on this. And then you're like, okay, well you're, you know, if you fall, you're going to die, but you're like really close. Maybe we could grab you. Like it was it's like I was so stressed out watching this guy try to take off. It's like those guys that do the flying squirrel suits. Yeah, that's even more uh, insane. Anyway, okay. um, spend the rest of your life listening to Nickelback songs in slow motion or being able to watch or only being able to watch the Hallmark Channel for the rest of your life. Um, Hallmark Channel. All right. That was easy. Okay. You know how many Christmas movies they came out with last year? Uh, a lot, I, I presume. I 34 bet you they, new Christmas movies. I bet you they still have Never before seen. 
I bet you they still haven't killed the uh, original uh, Secret Garden movie that they killed way back in the 80s. That was an awesome movie. Anyway, um, had that on VCR. All right, last one. Here it is. How would you like to spend your purgatory time, Will? Oh, man. Would you rather spend your purgatory time listening to spirit and song hymns played on an out-of-tune guitar (laughs) or drink lukewarm Maxwell House coffee with skim milk? Uh, lukewarm Maxwell House coffee with skim milk. Wow. Spirit and song needs to be thrown away like <laughs> 10 years ago at least. Anyway. All right, there you, you go. They don't even make them anymore? I mean, does that surprise song? you? No, but they every church still has it. And they still have, well, because they bought them. They, they bought them, man. They, they're going to they're gonna hang on to those bad the boys until they brothers, disintegrate. The Protestant brothers and sisters are writing music. And we publish music. The Catholic music. ones are just taking their music and putting it in 20 years later. 20 years later, yes. It's like this Open song. Open the Eyes is- of My Heart is still the biggest song in Spirit and Song. <laughs> it's like, oh, who's another modern hymn? Oh, Blessed Be Your Name. Yeah. Also 20 years old. Okay. Anyway. All right, buddy. It's ridiculous. We're going to talk about, uh, what are we talking about next? We're going to talk damn. about Let's serious talk about- stuff or are we going to talk about that them saints? Let's talk about, let's work it up. Okay, let's move this here. Let's talk about those saints. Okay. Where were you, Will? Where were you, Will, the day that the saints were robbed? I was in section 637. Section 637. Row 33. Row 33. Seat 15. Seat 15. When, and it happened right in front of me. Oh, you were like, you were like there. Right there. You were on the. Right in front of me. You saw the hit. You saw the head-to-head. You saw the collision. They fell to the ground. Then you were like, where the hell's the ball? Oh, it's still in the air. And there it goes, past the people on the ground. <laughs> it hits the ground right in front of the referee in open field. So there's no one else around to block. Clearly, we all saw it. Just get a flag. Move so it on. a lot of beer bottles were thrown on the field. They didn't make it to the field. They were just they tried to throw it on the field. Um, I did not partake in that because that's just abusive. Yeah, that's bad. But man, the boos were, dude, it was loud in that dome. I watched some of the highlights and replays and oh, stuff. Oh, it was loud on TV. Like, was it, it was way louder. I couldn't louder. tell. Like, uh, it I was wa- the loudest I've ever been in that dome. It was the loudest I've ever now, been. Now, I was at the Philly game. And they said the Philly game was louder. The Philly game was very loud. I was, I, I felt it was loud, but I was there. So, I would They said I it got up to like 120 something decibels. We never peaked 120. So, they said Philly game, we were louder. Well, there was, well, it, you know, it, there is the old. Damon, the, the more expensive the tickets, the less loud the fans are. Like in some, in, in the, in the, well, not mean that's true across the nation, but as a general rule, as it gets more and more expensive, that's why Super Bowls are not that loud in general. Yeah. Because it's just a bunch of, you know, richer people that don't get all buck right. wild. And that's Atlanta's problem. Atlanta's tickets are so expensive, people don't even go to the games. Yeah. And there's like no okay. sound. Anyway. I'll, let me break down this game real quick from what I saw at the Dome, right? Um, because I, I'm watching a lot of these these analysts talk about the game after the yeah. fact. And some of them, I'm kind of like, yeah, I agree with you. But a lot of them really make me mad. There's this one guy that looks like Aaron Rodgers. I really honestly don't know his name. I just call him Aaron Rodgers' like older, dumber brother. Um, but he's on ESPN, I think. Um, he's always bashing the Saints or says stuff against the Saints. So I'm always like, whatever. But he was bringing up. A face mask on um on Jared Goff. Yeah. And I was like, what face mask? And they showed the replay like seven times. I even commented on the YouTube video. That's how upset I was. <laughs> and I don't comment on YouTube videos. 
I commented on the video. I was like, thank you so much for showing the replay three or four times to prove that it wasn't face mask. You know, it was an incidental hit on his face mask and his head did go like back a little bit, but there was no grab. It just yeah. was, he was going in for a wrap, but he was like, it was a running play and he didn't slide. He was like diving forward. Yeah. So it was an incidental hit on the face mask, but they were trying to say like, well, you know, they didn't call that. So, you, you know, they didn't call this. It's kind of even Steven. And I was like, it's kind of not because, you know, it wasn't face mask. The other one was clearly blatantly PI, right? There's another problem. It, PI plus helmet to helmet. And they talk about how dangerous the stuff is and how much they are trying to make these calls and whatnot. Oh, the, the helmet to helmet calls have been all throughout the season. For the past couple of years. They, yeah. And But it's getting stronger and stronger or yeah. heavier and heavier, right? And no call. Um, Hill, in the beginning of the game, right? We had to settle for a field goal on this drive, but Hill got knocked out of the game, went to the blue tent, was in that tent for about five minutes and went straight to the locker room, didn't come back and play the rest of the game because of concussion, right? And he was hit helmet to helmet, no flag. Beginning of the game, we settled for a field goal. If we would have had that hit, which was would have been appropriate, would have given us a new set of downs. I don't think we had a first down on that play, but it was close. I think we kicked the field goal right after that, that well, play. Let me say this, though. When it comes to football games, everyone knows that you have calls, they miss calls. It does happen. But there's a huge difference between missing a call that is, you know, in the middle of, you know, a pile that happens really fast, you're obstructed, and then an open field penalty. Okay, so there's a huge difference. There was literally just those two guys. It was so blatant. I mean, it wasn't even close. And the thing is, I don't fault the Rams player. That is actually what you're supposed to do. If you're in a situation where you're the cornerback at the end of the game, and if they score a touchdown, the game's over, and you got beat, and this dude's about to catch the ball, you you stop it. You, and that's what it, he said right. he did. Well, that's what he's supposed... I don't blame him. That's what you're supposed to do. I mean, he got beat. He thought he was about to get a touchdown make pass interference because at least now they just get a first down and you could still fumble. They could still miss a field goal. They could try to throw and get an interception. I mean, there's like, there's ways you could possibly win the game that were way better than letting the score score a touchdown. So I don't blame him. In fact, like if I was the coach, I mean, that's what you do. Like at that moment, you cannot give up a touchdown. So right. if you got to cause a penalty to, to not have a touchdown, then cause it. Do a face mask. Do a horse collar. Don't let that dude get a touchdown. Correct. And so that's what he did. So I'm not blaming him. And and like he was expecting the call. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was just like that was so, better than the touchdown <clears throat> in will, his mind. I will say this. Yeah, I agree. So I'll say this as well, that we're talking about discernment here. And why are we talking about Saints football? I mean, we just must be like bitter, right? Well, no, we but, are bitter Saints fans. We'll give you that. Yes. But this does have to do with discernment because, and I'm going to get a lot of gripe for this comment. That play that was not called is not the reason why we lost that game. We lost the game because of poor play calling by the Saints. Poor, you know, we got shut out in the second quarter. You know, there's a lot of, like, we had to settle for field goals. We should have been pushing that ball. If you want to be a Super Bowl contender, you got to be pushing that ball the entire game, right? The crowd was so loud. After the first quarter, we were exhausted. Like, I feel like the crowd was exhausted because we never matched what we did in the first quarter, right? And the team never really gave us anything, in my opinion, to make us fight for that to be louder um, the rest of the game. Now, we had some good plays. We had really good stuff. But, for example, on that same drive, why throw the ball on first down? Well, I'll give you this. I know that... 
conventional wisdom says poor you run, discernment. Well, I, I say conventional decision says you run the ball, but let's put it this way: you can't you can't ride in on town in town on a pony, and then get mad that you rode in town on that pony. And that pony is Sean Payton's aggressive play call. And he's done it all season. There's been many times where conventional wisdom says you take a punt and we fake a punt and all of a sudden the momentum changes and we win our first playoff game. My point is, is that Sean Payton can make those decisions because he's made them time and time again. You give you, you you give the ball to Drew Brees, you let Drew Brees make a throw. It's dangerous. It's crazy. Who the hell would do it? Somebody that has one of the best quarterbacks in all league to throw the football, do it. And I granted he messed up one throw and they tried a second throw, but what does Sean Payton know when you're throwing the ball and it's in that territory, you know that you're more likely than not going to either get a completion, a drop pass or or a pass interference call because that's what happens in those situations. But not in the Rams game. And that's my issue is, yes, if you're taking his full his full book of work, everything that he's done since he's been at the Saints, you're like, yeah, pretty good odds. But if you take that one game, you got to have to be like, man, we need to run it. There are so many times where as soon as um, um, Kamara and Ingram started getting roll, man, they, they had about three or four great runs in a row. And then we would throw it and have to punt. And I was like, guys, man, we need to be pushing that ball up the middle right now. Well, I look, hindsight is always twenty twenty. Less and than I, two minutes left in the game, they should have been running that ball up. And that's all I'm saying. But this is not the same thing as Seattle on the one-yard line, give it to Marshawn Lynch, win the game, or roll out, throw a pass that gets uh, it but, intercepted or but knocked down. It was intercepted, but, but wasn't it? It wasn't. Because, but wasn't it? it, it <laughs> but no, it, no, it wasn't because the game was tied one. Okay, so it wasn't. So it was. It wasn't like the game winning or game losing because we could have gone the overtime, which we did. But my point is, is that the way that the Rams ran the football. I look. We can talk about this all day. We neither one of us a sports analyst. My point being is, the game. If that, I'm call, not any less of a sports analyst than these guys on TV. I'm telling you, I've been watching <laughs> them and like all they're giving is opinion. You well, know, there's no true fact. It's just, it's just. If you like this person, you know, if you if you watch Skip Bayless, right, you know he's going to be talking nothing about Brady. So if you're a Brady fan, you're going to want to watch him. You know, so yeah. I mean, like, it doesn't matter who you who you watching. Well, anyway, I think I think beyond the shadow of a doubt, and everyone says it. Adam Schefter said it. Adam Schefter is like you know the god of sports reporting. So all I'm saying is it was the worst call. It was the worst call in NFL history, really, because the difference is, yes, there's been games way in the past that have been decided by a bad call, but they didn't have replays. They didn't have as many officials. They didn't have all the things that we have today and and to not call it and to wave off the other guy. Then one official waves off the other guy who's like, well, I mean, you're going to call it, right? You're standing right there because I'm about to call. And then you say no. And you're like, oh, okay," But it's just ridiculous because that was a game changing decision. That no call. Yeah. You do have these differing opinions on what happened, It, but it was the most atrocious call in NFL history. I do agree with that. Not just because of the Saints. I'm at least the type of person that like when I go to the game, I've seen us get away with stuff and I'm like, whew, we should have gotten that call. And that happens in every game. And look, I do agree with you that the Saints did lose the game. And meaning that we lost the game because we failed to stop we failed to stop the Rams from from going down the field and getting a field goal one 
And we had another chance to win the game by just simply scoring some points and kicking a field goal ourselves, which we failed to do right. in overtime. So we did lose the game. But the the way that that call happened and the blatantness of the no call was deflating to the Saints. And I mean, it you could see it. Everyone was in such shock. Like everyone was dragging. It just affects the game. Maybe Absolutely. it shouldn't. Maybe it shouldn't have affected you. Maybe you should have been prepared and and not let that get under your skin. But it's hard. I mean, it's hard to say that everyone's now, just like we right. got robbed. You felt the robbery happen. Nothing you can do about it. You still got to go out there. You got to make a stop. You got to make a play. And the Saints didn't do it. So we did lose the game. So now I'll, I will say this, though. We got up to that point and we should have won the game before then. Right. And then that play happened. But we didn't win the game up until that point. And then that play did happen. And that play shouldn't have happened or it should have been called. Right. So I, I do see it both ways that that's where I feel like we did get robbed. The, me looking at the big picture is saying we should have won it outright in the first first half. You know, it should have been twenty one nothing, twenty eight nothing going into the half. You know, but it wasn't. It was thirteen, right? So we should have had a lot more points on that board going in, and it shouldn't have been a factor, right? So that way, if they didn't make that call, it wouldn't have mattered because we were just running the clock out in general. But it happened. It is what it is. Another issue I have: overtime. Drew Brees gets hit. Ball goes in the air. Okay? They didn't call a push-off on Thomas when that dude caught the ball at the end of the game, right? Jimmy Graham, a couple years ago, is going up for a Hail Mary, barely taps a guy, and gets called for pushing off. And the guy sold it because he fell on the ground. Gotta do that soccer fall. He did that soccer fall. Because it was funny because they were all saying, oh, yeah, he pushed off, he pushed off, he pushed off. You know, he shouldn't have done that and all this stuff. Offensive pass interference. They went back and looked at the replay and all the announcers were like, oh, he sold that one. He sold it. You know, and, that, and that's what happened. And it's unfortunate. But, of course, they don't call it in this one. And one of the guys that was sitting in front of us at the game, he's another, uh, um, you know, pretentious season ticket holder like myself. Um, so, like, he has his own little commentary throughout every every game that I've been at and and interesting stuff, but he said he looked into the refs for this game, and they're they're the least flagged refs. Like they throw the least flags in the entire league. These refs, and they did. They barely threw flags. Oh, and they did that throughout the game. And and I, it's like you and what's have funny, to get a feel you have to get a feel for it. But like you said, it, it is a little subjective. Well, what's uh, funny is that the Rams petitioned on Change.org, not the Rams, but the Rams fans, I guess, petitioned to not have them be the refs for this game. Ironic. Don't you think? I do. Speaking of, did you know Atlantis Morissette is playing at Jazz Fest? Is she? Yeah, we were just talking about Atlantis Morissette at the uh, 200 billboard, and now you we have were. a chance to go see her. And my wife's her. been listening to her ever since ever that episode. Since. And now you have a chance to uh, go see her live uh, for only a mere, like, you know, 80 $75. bucks. $75. Yeah. No, it's a, it's like 85 now. It's ridiculous, especially with the lineup they have. It's garbage. I know, we're not going to talk about Dave that because we'll go on forever and ever. Anyway. But anyway, so we're going to we're gonna put to rest because there are people that... This should agree to everyone, but we understand we're Saints fans. We're, we're, we're so did you sign the petition to, to replay the game? Of course I did. I did too. I didn't think it was going to happen, no, but of I, course I did you sign did. it. But of course you signed it. You got to. But do you know how many people signed it? I don't even... When I signed it, it was 300,000. So then when I, I saw posted it, was it, it was about... It was just low of 400, yeah. Yeah, I saw it at 600,000. So they're trying to get to a million 
Yeah. I don't know where they are now, but it was, it, I'm sure it's, I mean, it's gotta be at a million at this point. Well, let's look it up real quick. Cause it's, that's, it's that's that imp- important. It is important. And you're just going to go to change.org and you're just going to search for it. Or you think it's going to so, just be... <laughs> we talked about halftime shows, too. People want Maroon 5 to drop out of the halftime show. <laughs> Change.org yeah. has already started that Change.org has some good stuff, you know. Look, it's it's the third one, 753,795 supporters. Oh, it's kind of it's kind of, stu- it's kind of slowed down. Oh. Because well, it, was, it was like last week. It's been less than a week. Oh, has it been less than a week already? Yeah, the game was Sunday. Oh, yeah. You, my bad. I mean, it's um, still less. I mean, I guess it was like Wednesday. I think it was over 600. So it's definitely slowed down from Wednesday. If yeah. It's only at uh, 7.53, whatever that was. Yeah. So change.org, everybody. Sign that petition. Also, sign it if you don't want Maroon 5 to play, <laughs> which is so funny because I don't know why. <laughs> Who cares? Whatever. Um, oh, so. they, want, they, want, they want all the artists to take a knee. In solidarity with Kaepernick. Um, the funny part is, is it's not supposed to be about Kaepernick. It's supposed to be about Black Lives Matter. But now they're making it out of, all about Kaepernick. Whatever. What does he have to do with football anyway? Does he even want to play football anymore? I'm sure he wants to play football. Oh. This, is, this is life. Well, then why does he try out for a team? He kind of got black. <laughs> I mean, given, I, I, given the state of quarterbacks in the NFL this year, yeah. I'm thinking he's got a good chance of coming back. I would think so too. I mean, if he actually wants to play, I don't. I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if he really doesn't want to play. Because I mean, if you're making the money outside, I just want to say this: and you don't if, have to get hit. I don't think he was blackballed as much as people are saying he's blackballed. Yeah, they let Michael Vick back. Oh yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, there's I mean, there's so many drama filled. There's so many drama filled uh, people in the NFL. Yeah, please, whatever. Police. NFL likes the attention. Even bad okay. press is good press. So. Discernment stories. We're talking about discernment, right? Making decisions every day. You got to choose. So what's the biggest decision that you've had to make uh, recently? The biggest decision that I've had to make recently, like last like three years, last two years or something? Two years, sure. I mean, the biggest decision we made was probably when we bought our house and we moved to the North Shore which is about 45 minutes away from New Orleans, the city. Everything. Um, which is where I worked and my wife worked. So we were basically doing a two-hour-a-day commute to work. Yeah. Um, and we did pray about it. And um, we... Because you not only moved to the North Shore, you moved like... To be the Springs. You moved to almost the North Shore of the North Shore. Dude, I literally live the exact same distance from the bridge as you do right now. No. Yes. No. Like literally the same distance. If you drew, if you if you got like a map, if we drew, if we left our house at right. the same time, You're probably right. we would reach the bridge at the same time. Yeah, I guess it's it just, just feel I'm on far. the I'm on the more countryside of town, <laughs> quaint small town brewery, yeah. and uh, anyway. But point being. Um, I have, I've always known, well, and we're not gonna get all that, but anyway, but it is a big decision like it is for anybody. Do you buy two, do you buy the big, do you buy the big house? Do you buy the small house? Do you buy a starter house? Like what, like what do you do? Yeah. You know, and we just had that we were in the position because of how our other house sold. We're like, do we buy the house that will never outgrow 
or do we buy like a smaller house? And then like when we do get to that point where we feel like, you know, we need to go to a bigger house, if God blesses us with uh, an army of children or we like, you know, adopt a small tribe or something of people. uh, And we're like, oh, we need another house. Let's go buy another house. So that was a big decision, you know. And so we did buy a bigger house and we're like, we'll never outgrow this house if we move again, it's because we had the ability to move. But this house, that's why we bought it on the countryside of town because it was a big house and it was like bigger, more rooms than other people would need. Yeah. At the time, I bought it because I needed a home office because I was going to probably have to work from that office on some weekends and some other days when things got really crazy. At my job, I was going to have to basically be pulling some like, you know, 12, 13 hour days. And so we built, we bought it with the intention of having that at home office, but we were at peace with the decision. And the crazy thing about it is that was, that was two and a half years ago. Yeah. We made that decision. We moved up here. I started working from home. Um, not only that, but I actually ended up buying and renting an office, moving our like corporate office for the company uh, to Covington. That's the way to do it. And so now, so I worked for a year out of my home and then, so I stopped having to commute. And then my wife left the police force after 15 years and uh, being a detective. She gets mad when you age her. Oh, that's right. I'm not supposed to say the years. My bad. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, she's after a couple of years. We'll edit. She, did, that. she didn't do it that long. We'll edit that out. No worries. Yeah. Anyway, so she's uh, <laughs> anyway. So she left. Uh, she left that job, and she actually works at uh, like a, a little retreat center up in Covington. So yeah. now both of us happen to be working up here. You know, and so it's so, like perfect how it ended up. Right, and it kind of made me realize part of discernment is also taking a leap of faith yeah, um, and saying like, what's most important to us, making that decision based on what's most important and sort of like trusting, not saying you can't be active and, you know, making your life the best it can possibly be, but um, trusting that you make a step, not knowing what step two, three, yeah. and four are going to be. You True. Know? So yeah, it's a big decision. Everyone, most people will face with it to some degree, even though, even if you're just renting a place, choosing where to live, where to rent. I mean, it's a huge decision. Oh yeah. Absolutely. And those are some of the bigger ones that people deal with, you know? So Elise and I, you know, we just talked about this in the past, the last podcast about all the stuff that we have gone through just this past year. It was like July when everything hit the fan for us. Um, so it's currently January. Um, and you know, her health stuff has not gotten much better. Um, I mean, she's not, dying at least but um you know we do have chronic illness and other things that she's dealing with and through months of prayer months of prayer and months of prayer we finally came to the decision two weeks ago that we needed to step down from our position as the youth directors at our church which has been nuts to make that decision it's so hard too because it's not like a normal job. Like no. you're invested in the lives of the kids at that church, and so you just feel like it, it's tough. Absolutely, and we've stepped down from other ministries and other church ministries before, from other parishes and stuff, um, and you know, not knowing if we'd get back into it, and then we do get back into it, and it's it's great because those kids like came to our youth group because they were like kind of our youth group kids right they were they were like our kids that showed up when we were helping out at another church and then when we took over this ministry here they were like you know they weren't abandoned anymore right um so like 
we always said uh, like the class at seniors this year is the last of the kids that we've ever ministered like as adults and like had like in a significant uh at least in my opinion effect on on kids so they're graduating this year but now like i did small groups for the first time with some freshmen you know three weeks ago and i was like oh these kids are awesome i love these kids and then a week later, we make the decision to step down. And I'm like, but we have four more years with these. You know, let's get through yeah. the like, next four years. And you're right. There is an investment that we put into them because they're worth it. Um, but also the parish and, you know, our pastor and the priests and our core team. Um, it's a very tough decision. We basically took a youth group that was relatively non-existent. Um, you know, very, very small numbers. And the feedback that we got from a lot of parents was just, you know, they wanted more for their kids and they wanted more now. And I was like, perfect. That's what we can give. That's all that Elise and I ever do is give 150%, right? And they're getting two of us for the price of one. So, like, we both were there 100% uh, or 300% as the numbers I just gave. Yeah, that makes sense. we took this youth group from pretty much non-existent when we got there to what it is today to step down from that is really hard because it's a thriving youth group. It's a strong youth group. It's, um, it's got great people, great core team, great, uh, support from the pastor. The pastor never tells us no, you know, it's always like, yeah, go for it. Do this. That's a good idea. Oh yeah. Best kind of pastors. I know. Yeah. And I know you, sure. you have similar, like, yeah, sure. Like I've let's always had, it. I've always, yeah, I've had a lot of uh, really good support. So we're stepping away from that and it's very difficult, but the important thing is, is that one, you know, my wife's health is way more important than that. And we've we've dedicated so much of our lives to other people that we need to start dedicating it to ourselves right now for, for health reasons. Like, for example, my wife being sick the past seven months, I've been pretty much taking over the ministry for her, like uh, as a face-to-face part of that ministry and not being with her when I should have been, you know. So we've been able to, even through the midst of everything that we've talked about, we we only missed a week and a half of uh, ministry through that whole debacle from the last podcast. Uh, we were a week and a half late to getting back from our summer break. So um, we put on our big retreat. Yeah. We put on confirmation retreats, our youth nights, our middle school nights, our junior core team, which is like senior leaders. We kept all that going. And to say goodbye to all that, all the hard work we've put into it, all the hard work that God's allowed us to do and how much he's blessed us with that ministry. Um, it's very hard to say goodbye to it. And we don't know what the next chapter is, but our prayer for that has totally been for the last seven months. And we've met with the pastor more than once to say, Hey, you know, we're willing to step down if this is what the parish needs. And he's told us each time, basically, no, no, keep doing what you're doing. When you get better, you'll be back. We'll be fine. And this last time we basically said we definitely need to step down. And he was in full support of it. Cause I think he saw how much we're struggling to try and keep, uh, keep things together. So as beautiful as it is to be a part of this parish and to do the things we were doing, like Elise and I's marriage was suffering, you know, her health was suffering. She'd still be sick and I'd be frustrated that she was sick. And I might be a little short with her, which is not what she needs when she's sick. And I never want to be short with my wife in general, You know, and then we have to go do three other things that week for ministry outside of what we should be focusing on us. And you take this beautiful thing that you like, this is definitely God's will. And you definitely see it being not 
his will. Like he kept giving us signs. Stop. 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 And you know, one of the things that we, uh, that I just as a culture, like something that is so true to so many people, and I don't know how to prevent it sometimes, but like how do you live your life in such a way that your circumstances don't dictate your job and how hard you work. Like, oh you know gosh. what I'm saying? Like people always talk about it, you know, um, you know, they, they use the terms like house poor, you know, you buy a house that, I mean, you go to the bank and the bank's like, oh yeah, you can, uh, yeah, you want a half a mil? Oh, here you go. I mean, they give you like some obnoxious amount of money that they're willing to lend you for your house. Yeah. And you have to be like, no, I'm going to cut that in half. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? And it's, and it's, one of those things where you don't, oh, golly, it's so hard to do because when you start looking at houses, you're like, oh, I could have this house. I could also have this house, you know? Yeah. Oh, for just 500 more a month or 600 exactly. more a month. I could have this house twice the size. Why would I not take it? I mean, it's just one of those things that it's just so ingrained in us. And um, so it's hard to like make a decision to make less money. And it's funny, but I think that's one of the things that I don't necessarily think are negative about the quote unquote millennial generation. Right. But I think that a lot of millennials would rather be uh, poorer and have a lot more free time, whether that means traveling, whether that means renting, whether that means, but you know what I'm saying? Like that is, that, that is a big part of that because they grew up with parents that worked their butts off all the time. And I, and I bet you they were like, man, I wish I don't want to become like my parents. I don't, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to be the two parents where we work all the time. We give the kid everything they could ever want except for time, attention and fun. I'm trying to find, and I know no one else does this, but I'm really trying to find a way to make the same amount of money I'm making now without having to go to work. I know I'm the only one that tries to do that. No, everyone tries to do that. (laughs) Um, So, but talk about, you may want to get out of podcasting. Yeah. Right. (laughs) So talk about, uh, like what you were saying before about moving up to Abita Springs and all of a sudden now your jobs have kind of allowed you to work in that same area. And um, just in the week and a half that we've made this decision and by the time this podcast drops, it'll be our last day um, at the church. So I've already, we have already felt the, the stress like leave, start to leave. And we, we finally told the kids from youth group um, this past week. So that was the hardest part. That was the last part, was telling them that, that we were leaving. We still have some transitional things to do with the... So basically, the, the priest is going to take over. The parochial vicar is going to take over. Um, great, amazing priest. Great man. Perfect for the job. Grew up in a youth minister ministry family. His mom's a youth minister and stuff like that. So he, he's totally got this down. Our core team decided they're going to they're gonna stay, which we were like, thank you, Jesus, because... What we've built and what God told us to do is not going to be for nothing, right? God told us, hey, you build this. And now that we're stepping down, it's going to be able to continue on, which is how we designed it to do, you know, to be able to continue on is is really a beautiful thing. Um, I have been kind of thinking about wanting to do more ministry stuff, um, either with our podcast or whatever, but more college um, I have found it very difficult to, when before, when we weren't employees of the archdiocese, it was easy to do ministry, but being employees of the archdiocese to be able to do ministry is very difficult to do. And I know that you're an employee of the archdiocese and this is not a, let's talk about the archdiocese thing, but it's very difficult. There's a lot of red tape to yeah. be able to do the Lord's work. Um, and so 
not that I want to deal with high schoolers and not deal with the red tape is not what I'm saying, but maybe to go to college and young adult ministry to where the red tape isn't really there because they're adults, you know? Um, And most of our kids, like I had mentioned, who have graduated are in that age bracket that we can still minister to. Um, We are getting older. You know, I have found myself doing more dad jokes this past year than I've ever done in my entire life. Oh, I have gotten so good at the dad jokes. I think everybody appreciates it, honestly. I know you do. I know you think that, but I promise you the kids don't. So I'm just trying to think, like, this might be a good transition year, you know, like with We've always said, Elise and I've always said that we're relevant still to the kids because we don't have kids, because we're not watching SpongeBob twenty four seven, or we're not watching, you know, not SpongeBob, but you know, Dora the Explorer. I've never seen an episode, you know, whatever, whatever shows on. I don't even know. I'm not even hip with your better. You're a better man for it. You're a better man. And I only know Odd Squad right because of you. (laughs) And you talk about how Odd Squad should. It's a great win Emmys and stuff like that or whatever. but like I don't have to sit there and watch those shows, so I feel like my brain is not so cheesy dad jokey yet, you know. Even though I've been making the dad jokes, so this might be a good time to transition out to go to maybe college ministry. Um, so I know I've got some stuff in the works there. Um, the wife's been able to get stress free in the past like week has been so amazing for her to be able to see that for me to be able to see that in her. So we've been seeing the benefits of that discernment already and making sure it's the right decision. Because I'm telling you right now, we are still extremely heartbroken to have to step away. Yeah. But we know that's what we're supposed to do yeah. right now. And you see the fruits. Because it's kind of true like that you can make all these great decisions and you think that you're giving your kid everything. Yeah. Or your family everything because you're making more money or you can give your kid a car when they turn 16. And, you know, we deal with kids on and where we live. We're dealing with kids whose parents do. They can yeah. give their cars. They can give their kids cars when they turn 16 and they can drive it to their school full of a bunch of brand new car. You know, like the parking yep. lot of the public school is uh, a whole lot of really nice expensive vehicles, more expensive than I have. And um, and yet there's just like this epic like longing for family life and for connection to their parents. And they just like, you know, just sacrifice the thing that matters for the thing that didn't really matter. And like, um, and so anyway, so I don't know. So it's certainly something that is difficult for everybody. I, I personally, it's something that I, that I deal with, um, myself because I often feel like I've got too much and I'd rather focus on one thing and do it well then focus on five things and do it mediocre. Yeah. But I still find myself constantly being stretched and like, you know, and that's part of the discernment is like taking the time to ask God. Cause like, they're all good things. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's Absolutely. not like, like, like that's the true discernment. It's not like I'm asking God, like, Oh God, should I a do something bad or B do something good? I'm saying here's like four generally good things. Take a better paying job, you know, uh, move to this place, move to that place. Like these are all good things to do. Like these, it's a, yeah. it's a very good and generally good thing to get a promotion or take a new job that makes more money. But you do have to factor in the effect of family life that that job Absolutely. is going to have on you, you know, and then, and weigh it. And sometimes you have to be willing to make a mistake and then change course because Absolutely. it might not be a mistake, but you have to change course from time to time. You might take a job, you might do something for five, six, seven years, and you're just going to have to walk away. Try oh, yeah. something different, and that's the that's that's scary. They have uh, this podcast I was listening to this past week, and this really helped me out with the discernment portion. Because for me, I was like, I don't want to get out of ministry. 
But working for the church is extremely difficult. I have found it the past two and a half years the hardest ministry I've ever done. It's been very successful, but it's been very difficult. It hasn't been fun. It's been a challenge. And I just feel like it's very it's very it's very anti Acts of the Apostles, where you just go out and convert the souls, right? You have to worry about all these little things, all the paperwork, insurance, you know, and, it, and that, that's fine. And I get that, but it was just very hard to like try and go out and minister, you know, the, uh, what was it? I think St. Augustine called it the bureaucracy of the church. And it he, is. He, he called it a, a hippopotamus. I think it was a hippopotamus. Yeah. <laughs> Seems like a hippopotamus or a rhino, but I think it was a hippo. That's funny. And it's funny because Father Benedict Groeschel used to have like a little hippo yeah. <laughs> that he would keep like on like the set of EWTN. He was like, this hippo here reminds me of St. Augustine's <laughs> calling the church's bureaucracy awesome. a hippopotamus. And you're like, he, I don't know. He doesn't talk like that at all, by the way. So anyway, no, he's not an old perfect. British man, but you know, us in accents, we've already, well, we've already covered <laughs> our, uh, we're very good at it. Not true to life. So it's just, it's very difficult when you are trying to do this ministry and like a kid comes to you and is talking about like struggling with suicide and you have to tell him, sorry, I can't be in this room alone with you to have this conversation. Someone else has to be here. And the kid's like, well, well, what, you know? And then it's difficult if a kid texts you at 11 o'clock at night and you're like, it's too late to text you back, but they're really struggling with something, you know? And you're trying to keep up that safe that safe boundaries, you know, yeah. with college ministry. And I understand, let me rephrase this real quick. Cause I understand why it's in place and it makes sense. And it's, it, it is safe. It's just very difficult when you are not, um, a disgusting person <laughs> Yeah, and you're trying to bring kids closer to Jesus. And yeah. that's in place because of the people that have abused that power. Right. But with college age, if someone texts me at midnight because they're struggling or they did something stupid, I can text them back, right? Yeah. I can still be there and be that Jesus for them. And I saw this um, this past week. I, I needed a lot of help, man. I was really struggling with this decision. I didn't want to do it. And for about a week and a half, I've just been like, this. I regret it. This is not the right decision. Um, there's this podcast called Always Hope with Dr. Mario. Um, it's done um, in association- is a Mario? Yeah, I'm Mario. sure he's never heard that joke before. I'm sure he hasn't. It's a me. Um, <laughs> Back to being serious. He had this episode with Dr. Tom Neal. I'm so glad it wasn't Luigi. Is it Tom Neal? I'm going to butcher his name. I'm so sorry. Um, he's a professor at the Notre Dame Seminary here in New Orleans. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But for, I think, Lady Ministries or something along those lines. And he just mentioned like some stuff that like hit home to me. And it was very, like, the difference between working for the church and working, like, still doing ministry, but you're not working for the church, right? So, for example, like, you have a ministry that we have here that we do, and, you know, I consider what we do here kind of a ministry and just this fun podcast and the girls with their show, if they ever start that back up again, you know, hashtag calling y'all out. Um, But, like, we don't work for the church. Like, the church doesn't pay us. You know, Ain't we, nobody own me. That's right. I'm. F- I, we are free, which allows us to do more. I feel like and to touch more souls in the, in that aspect. Maybe, right? but it might give us freedom to do things in a way that you wouldn't put a church's crest on it. I mean, because we want to be real to people. We want to be. We want to show our brokenness because nobody wants a bunch of fake, like happy go lucky, like, um, like you don't want, you don't want like a book of wise sayings and not like have like practical connection to what's going on. You know no, what I'm I saying? Agree. So with discernment, 
it's very difficult. I always struggle with discernment. Um, I know you had mentioned it, like playing the game. Like I can see your discernment process. No, I'm actually very, uh, I don't really discern most times. I just make a decision and go. Yeah. God's always protected me. And I, maybe I take that for granted or maybe I'm just really good at discerning and I'm better it's than everybody so else. It's just so good. It's just quick. Right. I, I definitely think as a general rule, uh, people in the church, uh, maybe not like practicing in the church, uh, they have a tendency to over discern. And when I say over discern, I mean, you sort of, you, you sort of, you let fear prevent you from making a decision and you want to make the perfect decision. Oh, yeah. And I, I think that the enemy so often to doing what God wants you to do is because you're trying to do the best and most perfect thing that God wants you to do. And I honestly think that that, that is just a huge distraction that is, is, is used to, uh, it moves people away from responding to God immediately when he asks you to do something because I agree. it's, it, you know, that fear, the, the desire for comfort, for clarity, for I need 500 confirmations. I need to do like 700 novenas. It's like, no, like you feel desire to do something. Is it good? Is it beautiful? Is it true? Like, you know, if it's, if it's those things and it's okay to choose it, like you can choose good things that you feel called to do because they're good things. You know, do they have any, like big ripple effects. I mean, like you're like, oh, I, I wanna, uh, I wanna leave my job and I just wanna go sit on the, the street corner and like hold up signs and tell people God loves them. Well, do you need to provide for your family? I mean, there's practical things. Yeah. But when you can check off the practical list and you can just be like, okay, I, I I'm covering my responsibilities, but I can still do my responsibilities X, Y, and Z. I wanna do X. I feel like a call to do X. Is X good? Yeah. Then go for it. Just do it. Do what you want. Do what you feel called to do. If it's a good thing and you're going to be able to make, you're going to be able to check off all of the responsibilities that you have in life. You're still able to check those boxes. Then do it. Yeah, Just I agree. Go for it. The like worst case scenario, you'll make another decision later and do something different. But um, I think, yeah, sometimes you got to just do it. You and, know what I'm saying? And that's what we did. We just did it. And we we decided do. to step down and uh, it's just been it's been nuts, but we feel the graces. So, um, I got a question for you. Okay. I would like to know who discerned this Gillette commercial. Have you seen this Gillette commercial? <laughs> uh, I don't want to talk about this Gillette commercial forever. I don't think it's that big of a deal. Honestly, I watched it. And I was like, wait, what's the problem again? So I had to rewatch it and like focus on it. Cause I was like, I really didn't understand what the problem was. Like, in fact, I didn't, I, I saw like, you know, you see a lot of social media, like people upset about it, but I never actually read what they were upset about. So I just saw like outrage over toxic masculinity and like all this stuff. Yeah. But like, I never, so when I watched the commercial, I don't know what I was expecting, like a lot of grunting and a lot of like butt scratching. Like I didn't, I really, I don't know what I was expecting. But That's like, what you think toxic masculinity is? I guess. I, 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 so when I watched it, I was just like, I just, the first thing that struck me, because I probably didn't pay attention to the beginning of the, the commercial all that much, was just like dudes like in situations where like other guys were like, um, you know, like it, like checking out a girl or about to like say something derogatory. We're just like, oh no, dude, man, we don't got to say that. Like, and I just thought that those two like random examples, and I can't remember what the other one was. Maybe they're like at a beach party or something. I don't even know. But I just thought they were good examples of like men like not participating in derogatory, quote unquote, locker room talk to uh, quote our president. Um, but anyway, but to not sort of like 
over engage in that conversation and you can be a good witness without being like, God, everyone needs to stop right now and like try to get on a soapbox. Like there are ways you can just not participate in a conversation and change a subject. Yeah. And I think it helps in a conversation that is practical. So the problem that I have with this commercial, I think that most people do is that essentially they use like the Me Too movement as a way for Gillette, which Gillette, by the way, if you're listening, um, you're kind of late to the game with this. You know, the Me Too movement started a while back. So thanks for getting on board a year later. Isn't it kind of um, ironic, though, because isn't like real masculinity it's sort of like <laughs> indicative of a beard? <laughs> so like they're kind of like the shaving off. They're like the shaving off of like masculinity. So, I mean, if you think about it like that, you know, they're all about they're all about so, feminizing up the man. So the problem was, is that they took all of these scenarios, right? And they didn't ex- really exaggerate them too much. I mean, they kind of did, but not not but terribly. Got a Thirty-second commercial spot. I mean, right. but they pretty much chalked all of that up to the reason why the Me Too movement happened. Well, I think they were talking about how That's the, the issue. culture of men uh, objectifying women, talking about women in an objectifying way, is somehow led to a culture that thought it was okay to cover that type of stuff up. But the reason why there's bullying is because of men. The reason why there's sexual harassment is because of men. The reason why kids fight in the backyard is because of men. Like, they blamed everything on on men. I mean, I On manhood and on masculinity. That's the issue. It's not... They didn't blame it on this this douchebag dad that didn't, you know, teach his son how to respect women. They didn't blame it on that. They blamed it on the fact that he's got a wiener. And they blamed it on the fact that he's masculine quote-unquote masculine and that's the reason why sexual harassment exists it's because of masculinity well i uh i mean obviously i don't think that but at the same time i definitely think that there's wonderful things about masculinity like boys wrestling the the desire to fight desire to that aggression in men uh, can be cultivated in good ways because if you're going to be a defender of what is good and right, if you're going to fight for others, mm-hmm. there is an aggression that is needed, and Absolutely. that and that and that build up in the heart of every boy, even though it's going to be reflected differently. Not every dude, like me and Will, great examples. Not every dude's going to be able to like you know go outside and with his tools build this fancy table for podcasting. Other of us, we would just go on Thumbtack and find some dude that would build the table for us. You know what's, what's Thumbtack. Uh, it's where uh, I go to find people like you to do stuff for me, like oh. in my house. You know, like if I need like a new wall or I got a hole in my wall, I find some dude come like fix it. And they just come out, you give them money, boom, done. It's like Uber, but for like handyman stuff. I just fix it. Yeah, because that's just a skill set that you have. But I feel secure enough in my manhood to be like, you know what? I love outdoors. But I also like indoors. I don't mind going outside, having a picnic, and then going into my cabin to sleep, okay? I don't have to go camping to prove my masculinity, okay? No, you don't. <laughs> you don't have to go in there to prove your masculinity. But the other thing is, is I'm not going to write, I make a commercial blaming you for the reason why that men are not men. Well, I certainly think culturally there is a great desire to destroy all gender boundaries, really. And what masculinity truly is and yeah. try to destroy it as a thing because it is a thing it exists it is exists both body and spirit inside of the very um 
anima of a person, whatever yeah. you want to call it. Some people call that soul, but whatever you want to call it, like inside of each person is that sort of masculine or feminine genus. And it means something. It does something. It changes how you interact with people and it makes the world a better place, in my opinion, uh, when the feminine genus and the male genus work together. Yeah. You know? And I don't I don't want to speak. So I'm going to break this down a little bit because like I don't want to speak for for women at all. Um, you know, I'll speak for women all the time. I don't care. De- depending <laughs> on the type of cat call. Right. But let's just say like, you know, a, a guy, a construction where I'm going to really uh, stereotype this. A construction worker is going around. <laughs> right. Already. Yes. And he's he's like he sees his chick and he's like and just whistles at her. And that's it. I don't think that guy is a sexual harassment guy, a sexual harasser. Could he be? Sure. But I don't think because of the fact that he just whistled at a chick to get her attention. I think at this point, I think I think you should come up with something better at that point. I mean, like, really, like, how many how many cat calls have really turned into anything positive? How many dudes got a phone number because you cat called that somebody? I don't know. It I, might work. I've I don't never cat called. Besides, I, I do cat call my wife all the time. But that's different. But I you don't. already have a relationship with your wife. So by by uh, soliciting or by by commenting but to what, her, but what is a cat call? Do it. What is a cat call? I don't. A cat call is a way to get attention drawn onto yourself, like for another opposite sex to to see you, right? That's when you just befriend them on Instagram and like all their. But stuff. what's the difference between that and like, you know, when we see we watch uh, Planet Earth? You ever seen Planet Earth? Yes. Okay, yeah, Planet the, Earth, the and all of a sudden they got the bird that's like, ooh, ah, ooh, <laughs> ah, and they got the bird doing his little dance, and he's like, ah, ah, his ah, mating, he's like dabbing the, over the there, mating you know? call, the mating, he's call. doing the bird dab, and he's doing his mating stuff to try and get the the chick bird to come up and be like, ooh, look at this hot little piece of meat, right? That's normal. That's 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 normal. So I'm not saying that a guy should go out and be like, you know. What's up, sexy lady? You know, or anything like that. But to to sit there and like holler out to make attention. I used to do that all the time to my wife when I was into her. When we were, I'm still into her. But like when I was into her when we first met and stuff, I would always do stuff to try and draw attention to myself, to show off, or to do something along those lines. <laughs> that you did. Sorry, I just remember some story you told about lighting stuff on fire to impress her or something. I did anyway. light my face on fire on accident. Anyway. That's another... That's a whole another. We'll podcast. talk about that when they come on the show next. Okay. But, you know, there's... Now, I understand if they're talking about something specific, right? And a type of cat call. And it's something that's inappropriate and things of that nature. Yeah, you need to step up. And we've talked about that on our show. We've talked about past. that, yes. So, there's a, there's a fine line. Okay, next next topic, because it's not just, they're just generalized at saying, hey, a guy's like trying to draw attention to a girl or a guy checks out a girl and all of a sudden now he's going to be, you know, the problem with the Me Too movement, right? He's going to be the one that solicits the sexual harassing. Right. And I don't, I don't agree with that. I'm sorry. I don't, I don't think that's the case. They had this one thing where like with bullying, right? And he had all these kids fighting. And his dad's walking with his son and dad pretty much just like drags his son across a busy street or something like that to go stop these kids from bullying each other. And then the kid like looks at his dad and is like, that's what manhood is, you know? It's like, cool, great, great little story. Actually, no, they showed that video. Remember that YouTube video went viral 
about have you seen that video they, that was in there yeah, yeah they showed the clip of it right yeah. that clip of that guy breaking up a fight in the neighborhood which i mean it was yeah. I, mean, I thought it was a great clip i mean i yeah. thought it was a great video years ago when it I thought came it was, out i thought it was staged but yeah you thought it was staged i think so really i think so i, th- I thought it was i thought it was, it was just two dudes fighting they were like throwing mm-hmm. like legit punches in that video before that dude stepped in yeah, I think I think I think it was staged a little bit. That's just me. I don't think it was a bad. Thing. I think it was a good, great video. I mean, I saw it years ago before, yeah. you know. And then they, I don't even think they, I don't think they, I don't know if they even played. No, I guess they played some of the audio. Too. They did. They just played anyway. some of the audio of him talking about like what being a man is. But you I know? thought I thought that was a good video years yeah. ago. But anyway, but to to then come up. But the whole point is that they mentioned like this is how men acted up until like the Me Too movement. The only issue I have is that they blame everything on masculinity has to do with like the Me Too movement. That's what I took away from the, the commercial, and it's like no, not this. This stuff does this aggression that men have is is a normal aggression. To appropriately allow your kid to let that aggression out is very healthy, you know. To sit there and keep them all cooped up is very dangerous. Yeah. No, I mean I I, I certainly agree that there that's why sports are always big playing outside you know whatever but yeah there may come a day where just you know allow, but it's not just sports allowing boys to play outside will be uh limited you know they can't play outside more than so many minutes have you ever been so mad you wanted to throw something yes throw it now if you're throwing it at your wife you've got issues and i don't mean you've got issues i mean like you that's where you you cross the line because you wanted to do that but if, if you want to throw something, throw it at a wall or something. You or know, then, I, you, then you can call Thumbtack to come have a guy fix it. <laughs> or I can just get in my car and I can listen to uh, a Metallica song. You can. Get my but, aggression out that way. But that's that's the same thing as throwing something. You okay. might not want to throw something, but maybe you just need to list something. You need a headbang. You need to, you need to rage out. I believe what you're talking about is what Aristotle called uh, cathartic. Yeah. Sure. It's like, so, like using things to sort of like uh, express things that otherwise weren't being expressed in your heart or soul right. like aggression like like playing a football game and just being able to get your aggression out on the field Correct. type thing but my point is like it doesn't have to do with going like a sports mosh, or going to quote, a mosh what is manly stuff you know because there's a couple of things that for me allows me to release my aggression one is a sport and it's disc golf even though most people wouldn't think it's a sport but to throw something as fast and as hard as I possibly can to where my arm feels like it's like coming out of the socket just is a big release for me the same way that if I go back into my studio and pick up the ukulele and start writing this little bitty song because I'm frustrated you know as frou-frou as that might sound it's a huge release for me yeah like sometimes I'll sit in my room I get the same endorphins that come out when I'm playing ukulele (laughs) as I do when I'm doing something quote-unquote manly like swinging an axe well when I feel uh when I feel some pent-up aggression or emotional stress I like to just sing dashboard confessional songs on my guitar. I and I think that's amazing. It's the ones that don't release that aggression is, is issues. And the problem is because they pent it up. When you have a commercial like that, they target it like all men, listen up. And I'm just sitting over here like, dude, have you ever talked to like a like a real Christian man? Like a real Christian man. Not just these people that say I'm Christian and they go to church on whenever they want to. I'm like a real Christian man. This is how they they are. You know what I mean? Like, this is how you should be living your life. This is not some new thing that you're discovering, you know. Thanks, Gillette, for already telling me what how we should already have lived. The problem that I have is that it's not calling yourself on. You know, you're well, calling everybody else on, and then you blamed it on 
this movement is because boys were wrestling in the backyard. And, and all I, I know just, was, is that annoying. if St. Boniface didn't wrestle in the front yard as a kid, he definitely wouldn't have been able to walk up into a group of pagans and cut down the Thunder Oak. Right. Shout out to our Christmas special episode. I'll cut down some Thunder Oaks. <laughs> if you can cut down an entire tree with one swing of an yeah. axe, that's a man that's uh, swung an axe a few I'm times just, in his life. I guess I'm just, I'm so tired of, of hypocrite people, hypocritical people telling me how I should and should not live my life. Well, when I'm already um, living it the way you think that you live. And guess what? I'm a man. I feel like I have true masculinity in my in my soul deep down and it's not going anywhere. I don't need Gillette to tell me. I think we should make a change.org and we should um, require all men to grow a beard for six months and then put Gillette out of, out of business. No, but a beard has nothing to do with Gillette because there's well, not no, just Gillette. No, because they have their go razor. Use, they sell razors. Go use Oral-B. <laughs> the, the toothbrush? People? No, but I think Oral-B has got a razor. <laughs> You want to be manly? I thought it was manly, so what I did was I, I I shave with the the brush and the bar of soap and slather it on, and I use a single blade. Oh, oh you oh you oh you whip out the single blade. Do you have a do you have some leather that you sharpen it on? Some leather. No, I'm sorry. It's it's still like it looks like a razor, but it's just a oh, single blade. Oh, okay, single blade. But it's not oh. the, it's not like the switch blade. There is kind. no way you can single blade the hair off your face. No, dude. I got to trim it, but it's coming okay. up soon. Gotcha. Got about a month left, and I know I said that last time on the podcast when we first started podcasting, and then <laughs> during the transition of me uh, being shaved. Clean oh, it was shaven. when we were we moving. We never podcasted. Like when you were moving. Moved, yeah. right. well, we didn't do video. So, guess what? This this beard goes away once a year uh, for about six months because uh, the wife hates it. I'm trying to... I'm going to see if she'll let me keep it this year. We'll throw it out there. Or just don't bring it I try it every year because you know That's what it. happened last time I talked about Valentine's Day came up and she got me a beard grooming kit and you were like, oh yeah, with like... That's the, a signal. With the, with That's the a shave signal. Oh, and yeah, something yeah. like that. And I was like, no. It was like beard balm, a beard brush you know beard oil it was stuff I, yeah for and my i was beard. saying she, she got w- it for me two weeks before i was supposed to shave it yeah that's mixed that's what we call mixed signals i know she just wanted to see if you if you were if you really want she wanted you to want to cut your beard do you know what i did it's not about cutting the beard it's about wanting to want i left Will. the beard on an extra month and she got mad at me and i was like can you see how i misunderstood the signals the broomy dude the, the grooming kit miss yeah. signal did we talk about this on the last episode or a couple episodes ago like i don't believe in you know, happy wife, happy life. Yeah, something like that. Like I'm not, I'm not uh, a Ray Romano husband. You know, no. Raymond. Everybody loves Raymond. Oh, sorry. Like I'm not the goofy husband that like always messes everything up. <laughs> you know, you, you know what I mean. You know, you watch way too much EWTN when I thought you were talking about the World Over News guy. I have no idea what that is because I watched Ray no EWTN. Arroyo. <laughs> I was like, when you said that, I'm thinking like the news guy, like. So like if I don't agree with something, if I don't do something and she gets mad at me or whatever the case may be, like I stand my ground and I just say, hey, I don't think this is right. And a lot of times I'm wrong, but I can at least admit to being wrong. But I'm not this fumbling idiot of a husband. Right. So I told her, I was like, can you see how I misunderstood your signals there? Um, She said she could. And then asked me when I was shaving. <laughs> so I went nice. in and shaved because we did have an agreement. But I would try. Every time I try, I try. try to extend it a little longer. To extend it, yeah. Well, you know, you got to do what you got to do. Uh, Will, I've got to pee like a like a Thorbred racehorse right now. <laughs> hmm. 
So I think it's a good time to end this thing because I'm about to go pee outside in the woods like a man. Like a man. Like a man pees in the woods. Do you pee outside of your house? No, just yours. Only my house? Yours, yours. But you actually have wooded area that you can pee into. Yeah. My house, I have a four-foot picket fence. Well, I'm about to join you, so. And uh, people can see me. Thanks for joining us. That's not appropriate. If you need to pee, you can come uh, come to my house and pee in the backyard. (laughs) Uh, Thanks for joining us. Uh, Can't wait to chat to you guys again. Chat to you guys. Chat with you guys again next time. Hey, listen. If you listen to the show, you should do us a favor. Go on iTunes and give us a review. It's not that hard. It's not. Just have you reviewed it. our show yet? I have reviewed our show, but it's me, so I'm a little tainted. I believe my review said I may be slightly, um, <laughs> I may be slightly not biased, bias or am bias, but anyway. But no, seriously, review the show on the iTunes. It is where most people get their uh, their tunes, mm-hmm. and so it would help us out a lot. We'd yeah. appreciate it. But- Guys, we're on Stitcher, we're on Spotify. Um, I think we're on Google Play. I don't know if we made it on there yet. You can ask we're Alexa everywhere. for us. YouTube video comes out the week after. I know I'm late on this next one. Sorry about that. It'll probably come out this week anyway. Um, yeah, thanks for joining us. Uh, find us on social media at That Guy Show on Instagram. We're still at Wise Fools Media on Facebook. Visit www.wisefoolsmedia.com for blogs and more. Uh, oh, if you want to leave a comment or a question to be played on the air, hit us up at thatguyshow at wisefoolsmedia.com or 985-503-7867. That is 985-503-7867. That was pretty good. That was good. Um, you don't have to talk to us. You just literally tell us. It's just a voicemail. Yeah, it's just voicemail. So leave your name and where you're from and then just whatever you want to talk about. So anyway, I'm William. I am Matt. And this is That Guy Show. Peace. Drop the mic.